Welcome back to Hair the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hello. And each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, grab a drink, and join us. Today's episode is a rather special episode here at Hair the Werewolf. Not only are we recording this on Halloween <laughs> Day morning, to be exact, so the drinking we're about to do is... Irresponsible. Exactly. <laughs> But this is, in fact, our 100th episode. That's right. We've been doing this for three years now, as of today, because we started this podcast all the way back during the height of the pandemic in, in 2020. Yeah, on Halloween, I think. Uh, and we wouldn't be here without Lily. This is her baby. It was her <laughs> idea. And if she hadn't put all the time and effort in to get it off the ground, none of this would have happened. Aww. I was merely a supporting act at the beginning, back when she was still in the testing phases. Back in 2019, when she was still designing the framework of the show, I didn't even fully understand the complexity and work required into making a recurring podcast. You didn't know how loaded that question was, like, do you want to be in my podcast? Yeah. You're like, yeah, sounds fun. If she ever asks me again, I'm changing my mind. <laughs> yeah. But Lily still worked endlessly trying to get something that she wanted, and some of our earliest test recordings were fucking wild. Oh, yeah. I think at first I just... I was supposed to just be a supporting role. You were going to tell me stories and I was just going to react I while think, drinking. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I wasn't even supposed to have a story. And then I kind of do now. Uh, it's usually a shorter story, kind of like a supporting one at the back. But things have changed and we still weren't <laughs> quite sure what the show was going to do. And I don't know if you guys can tell because you've heard me on this. Uh, I have a horrible character trait that I got from my family because my family does. Is we're kind of interrupty. <laughs> <laughs> and so not only would I interrupt way more than appropriate, and I'm working on it. It's a bad thing, and I'm trying to get rid of it in my life. Uh, but I interrupted a lot, and then I had this habit of rambling on, which got worse the drunker I was. So sometimes I'd go on this whole tangent for like 20 minutes that had nothing to do with the story, and I could see in Lily's face, she's like, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what was on my face was, damn, I'm going to have to edit this later. <laughs> <laughs> and even after editing, she's like, I can't make this work. This is so bad. So it was a learning curve. I mean, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I probably had to edit probably like every um, every single three letters or like words I would say. We still and um it, a lot. And we still do. It's, it's, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. Luckily we have editing tools, but at the time I'm like, oh my God, Lily, shut up. And we are sparing you guys from the ums. So even after we started releasing real episodes, I'd say we continued to get better and better. Our first episodes aren't as clean as our most recent episodes. We're still finding our way, even though I think that Lily landed on a really solid format and got this show where it is. And I also think that three years and 100 episodes is a really good indicator that you and me both care about this podcast. And whenever our listeners ask when the next episode is coming, when we go a few weeks without <laughs> one, is an indicator that you guys care about it too. Aww. So cheers to our listeners and cheers to Lily for 100 episodes of Hair the Werewolf. And Lily, as a super cheesy and small token of my appreciation for bringing me along for the ride, here is a gift I got you for our 100th episode. Oh my God, what? Aw, let me see. Let's open this bad boy. It's not a complicated wrapping. I didn't have time. <laughs> it's in a bag. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's like a teeny tiny werewolf. 
I got her a werewolf pop vinyl. And I know pop vinyls are cheesy. We have a couple of them. We like them. I but they them. had a werewolf one. It's from the Marvel thing, but it was just a werewolf. So I, I think it looks so cool. And it's black and white. So I got you a little werewolf that we can put on display in our little recording studio. In our little tiny room. Oh, you got to take you. it out of the box, though. I'm going to take it out of the box. He looks very threatening. <laughs> oh, my God. It bobbles. It's a bobblehead. <laughs> It just infinitely got even better. Oh, thank you so much. So I bought that a while ago. Well, I bought that at the same time I bought the Me Funko because I knew I was going to give it to you on our 100th episode. Oh, really? Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's been sitting, hiding for a long time. <laughs> thank you so much. And for our listeners, I have a small special activity in today's episode as kind of a gift to you guys as well. As you know, we are obsessed with trivia, me and Lily. We do pub quiz. We do board games. I, more than Lily, love watching Jeopardy. You name it. So after Lily and I's story, I have a 25-question quiz about supernatural things, about Halloween, about horror movies, and about episodes in our quiz, in our podcast. Oh, okay. (laughs) Also, as our returning listeners know here at Hair the Wolf, we do a 31 Days of Horror Movie list for the month of October. We posted the calendar weeks ago, and you can see it on our Instagram page. Last episode, we covered the first several weeks of movies, and at the end of this episode, we're going to discuss more of the movies we have seen, but not all. More on that later. So that way, if you want to just hear the stories in the quiz but avoid spoilers, you can stop the podcast at that time. So, sorry for the super long intro. Uh, (laughs) Lily, do you have anything to add before we jump into the stories? I don't know if I have anything else. I think, like, it's going to be a pretty natural transition into what I'm about to say. Which, to honor this episode, I decided to do something fun as well. Oh, sweet. A bit of a callback to previous trickeries. Today, we're going to play the true or false game. Oh, so so there's going to be lots of games today, then. I had no idea you were going to do something like that. Wouldn't this be funny if uh, uh, we have some of the same questions? Ooh, mine I, I has, doubt mine it. Mine has rules and oh. has things that happen at the end. Okay, mine is not that complicated. Mine has drinking involved. No, mine are stories, and you're going to have to guess if they're true or false. And Perfect. And whoever gets it wrong has to I have to a drink. few of those, too, so let's, let's, let's go. Okay, go. okay, here we go. So these are actually just stories, but the first one is called Preston the Halloween Dog. This story takes place on Halloween night about 50 years ago in the Belmont Hillsboro neighborhood in Nashville, Tennessee. Preston the Boxer was a neighborhood dog that liked to wander, especially on Halloween, because all the little children would pet him and give him treats. Remind me what boxers are, though. Um, I'm really like bad with dog breeds. Medium to large dogs. They are actually, from what I understand, their attitudes are pretty like docile. Do we know any like? Are there any like famous dogs? Like we know that. Like Beethoven, that kind of dog. It's we know like Lassie's that kind of dog. A less exaggerated, smushed up pit bull face. Um, they don't get as like saggy on the sides, but they still have kind of like a a pushed kind of in hanging, face, hanging cheek, like and... a smaller snout. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, like medium size. You said medium size. Yeah, they can okay. get pretty bulky. Cool. I need it for to visualize. Yeah, I right. think they get pretty big. Actually, they think they can like weigh up to hundred pounds or something. Okay. I don't know. You know, my size. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first lie. Okay. One year, while he was accompanying a group of kids that were crossing the street, one little boy fell behind when his bucket tipped over and spilled his precious treats. As he bent down to pick up the candy, a car raced down the street, completely unaware of the child. One of the other children yelled out, but before he could turn around, Preston was already sprinting towards the boy and pushed him out of the way. In that instant, Preston was hit hard, and he flew into someone else's yard several feet away. 
Once the boy was determined to be unharmed and everyone calmed down a bit, the children ran to see if their furry friend was okay. They searched the area, but he was gone. It was the last time anyone saw Preston alive. Parents told their kids that he likely got really injured and wandered off alone and probably died. Which, that's not comforting at all, but that's what they said. Hey, at least the parents are being honest and not I guess saying... So. He's fine, and he wandered to a wonderful farm up in the upstate (laughs) where he gets treats all day. And you can't go there. Despite what parents had told their children, every Halloween night, kids claim to have seen Preston, particularly when they're crossing the street. Some kids even report feeling something nudging them whenever they stepped off the sidewalk. I know. So, is this story true or false? I'm just going to say, and I think all other dog lovers out there are on my side, (laughs) this better be false. (laughs) I don't want to hear no stories about dogs dying. You did one about dogs that committed suicide off of a bridge in Scotland, was it? It's Scotland. That one horrified me. This better be false. I know that tends to be one that a lot of people remember (laughs) because it's so sad. Okay, so I could not get any more information. Everything I told you is literally the extent of it. I know the dog getting hit by car wouldn't make it national news or anything, but it doesn't seem like people claim to this day seeing the dog. There are no personal reports. It is very much an urban legend. Okay. See, good. So it's false. <laughs> you got it right. So no one drinks. Well, dog's okay. Didn't even exist probably, but no, I'd I rather the dog not exist than die in such a horrible way. I agree. I agree. Okay. So the next story is called the Greenbrier Ghost. I love the word briar. I just briar? like it so much. That's so weird. Like briar rabbit. I don't know. I, don't, I like it. So is it like a normal name that people have? Or what do you mean? I have no idea. Oh, just whenever you just I like hear it, it just makes me feel happy. <laughs> it's like Canterbury and Briar. They're like these quaint, old, like ancient English words that I'm just like, they make me fuzzy. They anyway. make you happy. Well, that's good. Take what we can get. Right? So, Elva Zona Heaster, who lived in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, met a blacksmith by the name of Edward Scribbling Trout Shoe on October 18... 18- False. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Trout shoe. Trout shoe. That is totally That name fast. sounds fishy. So anyway, this fool met a girl on October 1897. The two fell in love and married very soon after. Zona's mother, Mary Jane Heaster, never liked Edward, but was unable to say anything because the couple eloped a few weeks after meeting. They moved fast. Heaster. That's such a weird name. I think that's how you say it. It has it spelled. H-E-A-S-T-E-R. That's how I would do it. Okay, good, because that's how it's going to happen. Three months later, on January 23rd, 1897, Edward walked to his neighbor's house and asked the neighbor's son if he could do a few chores around the house and help Zona with whatever she needed since she was still recovering from a cold. The 11-year-old complied and went to the house, but when he entered the door, he was met with Zona's lifeless body lying at the base of the stairs. The boy ran back to the house to tell his mother and Edward. Hey, mom, I got PTSD. (laughs) Hi, I'm 11. (laughs) Upon hearing the news, Edward ran home and held Zona's head in his arms. When the local doctor and coroner, Dr. George W. Knapp, arrived, he found Edward still clutching her head in his arms. Dr. Knapp was only able to examine her body briefly and declared she died of an everlasting faint. When it came time to prepare the body for the funeral, Edward insisted on handling her body He dressed her up, placed cloth around her head to make her as comfortable as possible, and then tied a large scarf around her neck, claiming it was Zona's favorite. The wake was at Zona's mother's house, where they opened the casket so everyone can say their last farewells. Mm -hmm. 
During this time, Edward refused to leave her side and remained at the head of the casket until it was closed one last time. A month after the funeral, Zona's mom started telling her neighbors that Zona's spirit had appeared to her four nights in a row. Each night, the spirit would claim that she did not die of an accident Uh or of natural causes. Instead, claiming that Edward was an abusive and cruel husband who had attacked her and broke her neck the day she died. And he tied the bow to hide Mm, the evidence. It's all coming together. Mary Heaster and her brother-in-law decided to contact prosecutor John A. Preston and inform him of their suspicions. At first, Preston was skeptical, but after a little more convincing, he decided to look into it. Dr. Knapp was contacted and admitted that he should have had a more thorough diagnosis. He just didn't look, <laughs> he did just, he? No, basically. He's sitting there drunk. He's like, yeah, she looks dead. Let's yeah, go. It's like everlasting fate. That's what we'll call it. <laughs> Edward, of course, objected, but the autopsy slash diagnosis continued. And Dr. Knapp found that the actual cause of death was strangulation. With that, Edward was arrested immediately. His trial began on June 22nd, 1897, where Mary Jane Heaster was a star witness. She was a very clever woman, and she always skirted around the claim of seeing her daughter's apparition at night. The defense badgered Mrs. Heaster about the rumors that circulated the small town, but never did she fall in the trap to discredit the case. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like this girl. I love her. Her plan worked, and Edward was convicted of murder on July 11th, 1897. 97. So, is this oh, it's true. true or so false? true. Well, if she had said it was ghosts and they believed her, I'd have been like, I bet this is false. But the fact that she tried to avoid it, I'm like, ooh, believability. <laughs> so there is a lot, because when they were prosecuting him, they're like, well, let's find out a little bit more about this Edward guy. Well, it turns out his name isn't even Edward. It's Erasmus. And he was in jail two years prior, or like uh, for two years Prior for stealing a horse, he was even married twice before. So you're telling me his last name wasn't Fishfeet? No, it was, but he just changed the first uh, name because that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so he was said. So he was married twice before. He divorced the first wife because he abandoned the child and her. And the second wife had died under mysterious circumstances after a brick fell on her head while Erasmus was fixing the chimney. So like, oops, I dropped a brick on you. And then she died. So his story completely changed, though. So. She didn't faint. He didn't tell anyone. Yeah. There, I mean, there was, like, clues now because the prosecutor was like, well, let's find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is direct from Wiki. Uh, Katie Letcher Lyle, a writer and an amateur historian in her book, The Man Who Wanted Seven Wives, The Greenbrier Ghost, and the Famous Murder Mystery of 1897, gave a dramatized account of the Greenbrier Ghost. Lyle explained her conclusion in a 1999 issue of Wonderful West Virginia magazine in which she said that Mary had probably made up the story of the ghost in order to make a compelling argument to open up her daughter's case. She said, quote, Mary knew Shu to be clever, unprincipled and persuasive. If he'd murdered once, he could murder again. Perhaps she feared that if no one validated her accusations, she would prove extremely dangerous. So pretending to receive the news directly from Zona, she could appeal to the superstitious of her mountaineer neighbors and get a lot of public attention. As it turned out, she didn't need the ghost story, for Shu was convicted, according to every account, strictly on earthly considerations without any unearthly ghost. So, here's the tricky part. Because I titled it, 
the Greenbrier ghost story. This is technically false in the sense that people over time really dramatized the ghost, what the, part. the ghost part, the supernatural. So this is a true crime story, but it's not a spooky supernatural story. So it's technically false in that end. I would like to talk to the woman very specifically and say, did you actually see this stuff? Or did you just have suspicions and you invented it completely? So a lot of theories is like historians, they'll say, they'll tell you, it's very, very likely it was not true. Because she never- Or maybe she, she had never, nightmares that were like a ghost or Well, something. she's very strategic about it too. Yeah. So she only told the neighbor so that they could spread the rumor, but she never ever claimed it afterwards because she didn't want anything to be overturned. To she didn't the reputations. Want, yeah, she wanted that man to go to jail- for an actual crime. She's smart. She's, She's smart. Coming. Yeah. So, I guess since you got it wrong, I'll take a sip. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're supposed to drink, but since you're not drinking this morning like I am, I'll take the hit. That's the way you do it. <laughs> That's a good marriage. Take take the hits the other can't. Ooh, I made that strong. Okay. So here is the next story. The ghost who saved her child's life. On June 6th, 1994... A couple was driving along Highway 50 late at night when she saw a naked woman lying on the side of the road. They were shocked, but were too scared to stop since they suspected it could be a prank or worse, a ruse to get the couple to pull over and then get robbed. They decided to head to the police station and report the incident. A deputy drove to the spot where the woman had been seen, but found nothing. He looked up and down the road, but still nothing. It wasn't until he looked down the ravine that he discovered a mangled car at the bottom. The officer then called for backup and climbed down to investigate. He saw the woman who had been driving was dead, still strapped in her seatbelt. But more shockingly, he saw a small child around three years old curled up in the back seat. He reached over and discovered that he was still breathing. The little boy was rushed to the hospital where he made a full recovery. As for the mother, the autopsy report showed that she had died on impact. A search party was issued to find the alleged naked woman, but nothing was ever found, no evidence of her existing either. Believers of the paranormal claim that it was the young boy's mother who appeared to the strangers that night in order to save her child's life. Is this story true? No. It is. Oh! Ooh, girl, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Drink me. Drink, I know. Drink other me. Drink my proxy. <laughs> oh. She's going to have a lot of drinking later, mm. fellow listeners. Actually, I need to edit later, so I don't know how spicy it can get. You're going to edit badly. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. I'm going to leave all the ums. Okay. So, on June 6, 1994, 21-year-old Christine Don and her three-year-old son, Nick, were traveling on Highway 50 after visiting her family in Sacramento and heading home to Carson City. Which was in Nevada. I think I forgot to put that in, but I know that. Mm -hmm. After three days, the family hadn't heard from Christine and reported her missing on June 8th by her stepfather, Dave Strotzenbach. Strotzenbach. Police investigated, but there were no leads or suspects. Two days later, Deborah Hoyt and her husband were driving along Highway 50 when they saw a naked woman lying on the side of the road. Deborah described the body as lying on its side, the knees were slightly bent, one arm was underneath her head while the other was on top, so you couldn't really make out hmm. who it could be. The couple decided to drive to the police station instead of stopping in fear of getting into a trap and being hijacked. Within minutes, two cruisers arrived at the scene, but the location that she provided wasn't necessarily 
accurate? At, well, it wasn't like it wasn't accurate, but it was hard to pinpoint. Sure, sure. So they didn't find anything and chalked it up as a misunderstanding. So they just like went back and were like, ah, there's nothing. However, the next day, the families pressured to find Christine and Nick. So the report was out. One officer, Rich Strausser, took the situation into consideration and returned to the scene that morning. He, he was afraid this is connected. Sure. Deborah's statement led authorities back to the dangerous stretch of road known as Bullion Bend. Now, with the advantage of the daylight, authorities were able to notice a child's black tennis shoe on the edge of the road right next to a steep hill. Following the path, officers found a car wrecked in the ravine. They first saw a woman in the driver's seat, clearly dead for some time, then noticed a small naked child in the back seat curled mm-hmm. up in a fetal position. Poor thing. I know. Stracer reached over to check for a pulse, and the moment he touched the child's neck, he saw him take a deep breath. What? Yeah. Paramedics were called, and the child was taken to the hospital where he made a full recovery. How many days later was this? Five. Are you kidding me? This is what authorities believe to have occurred. Christine lost control of the car and drove off, you know, the road into the ravine where she died on impact. At one point, the small child released himself from his seatbelt and wandered onto the road where he would have lost his shoe. During the day, the temperatures did reach up to the 90s, explaining why he would have undressed himself. He survived five days without food or water, which was a miracle in itself. If he had not been found sooner, doctors said he likely would have died later that day. Holy cow. He was in a bad, he was, he was in bad condition for Five sure. days without water, huh? Yeah. As for the naked woman on the side of the road, there were no signs of her anywhere. Nick, who is now an adult, told interviewers that he doesn't remember the days, but he does remember the nights inside the car. He remembers the car flipping over, the roof being ripped off, his mom in the driver's seat, and even remembering climbing the 40-foot embankment. But the strangest and inexplainable part of the story is that he also remembered seeing lights surrounding the car and a figure of a woman standing nearby. Here's another strange fact, if that wasn't weird enough. Christine's aunt had several dreams of a car crash of a, and of a car lying in a ditch before Christine and Nick ever went missing. She also kept seeing the number 16, which later turned out to be the mile marker number near the accident. Sounds like a movie. It's like so dramatic and uh, it's real. Like this actually occurred. That's insane. Someone. How old is this kid now? Well, I don't actually know. So but this, this, 90, was, this was when? 90s? 94. He was three. Oh, so, so he, he would be. Yeah, he'd One? be, he'd be uh, a year older than your sister. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, so that is like one of the wilder stories I had read in a long time. I could not believe it was That's true. insanity. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Two people completely unrelated see some sort of apparition. It turns out to be true. I mean, what? What is even happening on this planet? I still feel like there was something else going on. I don't know what, because it's so complicated, but it's, that's crazy. I don't know. This one, I think, like, if there's ever going to be something paranormal, I have no idea. There's no <laughs> other reason for it to not be true. Totally. You know, these people didn't even stop. They literally saw a naked woman while going, like, 40, and they're like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to the police. Uh, yeah, really strange. Really strange. Are you ready for my next one? I am ready. Okay, this one's called the San Antonio Ghost Children. This story takes place in the late 1930s. One evening after a field trip, a nun was driving a bus full of children back to school when the bus approached a crossroad and the engine suddenly stopped. The nun quietly tried to start up the engine, but could not get it to turn on. 
She was quietly contemplating what to do next when she heard a low rumbling sound. She looked in all directions but saw nothing. It quickly dawned on her that it could be a train approaching quickly. Before she could tell the children to get off the bus, they were struck by the train. The impact cut the bus in half, killing everyone on board, except for the nun who was thrown through the windshield and survived the accident. Even though the incident was ruled as an accident, and there was no official person named at fault, the nun was incredibly depressed and remorseful for not evacuating the kids the moment the bus stopped on the tracks. Yeah, that's going to be... She blames herself, basically. That'll haunt you. Yeah. She couldn't live with the guilt, and after only a few weeks after the accident, she decided to return to the tracks where she parked her car on top and waited for the train to take one more life. As she closed her eyes and heard the familiar rumbling sound, she soon heard what sounded like children's voices surrounding her car. She looked around and saw no one, but soon realized that the car was slowly moving forward. A few moments later, when the car was safely off the tracks, she got out to greet whoever pushed her car out of harm's way, but saw no one around. She walked to the back of the car, and that's when she noticed small handprints on the trunk. She realized that it must have been the spirits of her students guiding her off the tracks to save her life. Today, paranormal investigators and mediums claim that the children are still protecting anyone who might need a little push off the tracks. In fact, there's a test called the baby powder experiment, where you sprinkle baby powder on the back of your car that's parked on top, and see if handprints form. put it in neutral, and then you'll see, yep, the little handprints that appear on the trunk. And there are people who literally say, this is true. So, do you think it's true? I think that some of the elements of the story are definitely exaggerated and weird, but I am willing to believe the bulk of this story is true. Okay. Well, there's no official report of such accident ever occurring in San Antonio. However... I am glad that that hasn't happened, but I'm mad that I got it wrong. I'm super glad this didn't happen. But there is a newspaper article clipping I found by the San Antonio Express that printed a story that occurred in Salt Lake City about a school bus getting hit by a train during a snowstorm that tragically ended in death. So the the local newspaper printed a story from another Mm. city. So what likely happened was the story was eventually adopted by San Antonian residents and then turned it into local lore. Fake news. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's actually true. They just put it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's more, a team of researchers found that the track was on a slope, and when the Union Pacific Railroad leveled the intersection in 2018, the movement of cars well in neutral lowered in numbers. So they're thinking this yeah, is false. That's what I was thinking is that the car probably did roll, but maybe for other reasons. But. Exactly. Kind of a, a little thing there. So, yeah, that is my game. You Our- got that wrong i would say all right proxy drink up (laughs) i'm gonna say it's wrong she's just punishing me Mm -hmm. all right well we should jump into my story before we get to my game okay so in that case then we'll take the break after right yeah we'll do that Ooh, we're changing things up for some reason let's do this as it is halloween today and i hope people can listen to this today or if not tomorrow and pretend it's still halloween i think it's the perfect time to tell the legend of stingy jack a legend that some believe is partially responsible for jack-o'-lanterns. Ooh. Now, when I first read it, I read it as Stingy Jack, but it's Stingy Jack. Stingy. Oh, that makes sense. Made me realize that Stingy is spelled differently than I thought. I thought it would have an E, but it doesn't. How do you, how is it spelled S-T-I-N-G-Y. I I would have said Stingy, but that's. How do you spell Stingy? 
I don't think stingy is an actual word. Ah, it's already been taken. Got it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, not a real word. <laughs> Although it is a, a, a point of debate as to whether or not this is the origin jack lantern. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. This is an old tale, and because of that, has many variations and interpretations. One of the first known documentations of this tale was in an issue of the Dublin Penny Journal, released at some point in 1836. It tells the tale of a man with many nicknames, Stingy Jack, Drunk Jack, and even Jack the Smith. He was known primarily for his two most nefarious traits. The first was that he was a shameless alcoholic, Mm. and the other was that he was a bastard. (laughs) And by that, I mean he lacked any sense of charity and was prone Aww. to evil deeds achieved through his charismatic use of words. I think the Wikipedia mm. said silver tongue. I can't help but picture a Russell Brand type myself when I'm imagining this guy so this where, he uses, where he uses his <laughs> careful uh, words, but he's actually not saying anything important and he's convincing people to believe him and he's a jerk. He's more important than he is and he wants people to know it. Yeah. Okay. Got and it. probably an alcoholic. I have no idea. I literally don't know. <laughs> he might not be. I don't know. He just looks like the kind of person that might be. But anyway. <laughs> it's the hair. Yeah. There are two main variations of the story, and I will tell you both. In one, Jack was walking home around midnight when he came across a person lying beside the river. The person was moaning and in pain and said, Mercy have and lend me aid, wayworn traveler am I. Leave me here and I shall die. Jack, who normally paid no care interest in helping others, was oddly touched by this suffering beggar. He decided to bring the stranger home to feed him. Mm, Wow. And and in the morning, Jack discovered that the beggar was merely a disguise and transformed into an angel. And for his (laughs) act of charity, the angel granted Jack three wishes. Kind of different than the Beauty and the Beast story. I was about to say, I was like, this is what happens when you're beast. Okay, got it. (laughs) At this point, it seems that despite the pending reward, Jack had used all of his charitable kindness and his three wishes were the type only an angry old man would ask for. Mm. The first wish he made was that if anyone sat in his chair, that they would be bound to it and that the chair would be bound to the ground and this would last until Jack allowed them to go. For his second wish, he asked that if anyone tried to take wood from his sycamore tree, that they would be bound to the tree, unable to escape until Jack allowed them to. And for his final wish, he asked that if anyone attempted to take his tools, that they would be trapped against the same wall, once again, unable to move without Jack allowing it. Could you imagine having three wishes and those are it? Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say... The more clever of us could have made that a single wish, said if anyone touches something that's mine, Don't they're stuck the crap. to it until I let them go. But he's like, three wishes, my three things, my tree, my chair, my tools. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. The angel was understandably disappointed, upset that these wishes were being used for selfish and evil means. The angel left but told Jack that because of his evil choices, he could no longer enter heaven when he died. Oh! <gasps> In the, in the years that followed, Jack lived a rather prosperous, if not gluttonous life. He had money, animals, and even good health. But as it does, old age found Jack, and his time to die had come. The devil sent one of his servants to fetch Jack's soul and bring it to hell. Hold up. They said you can't enter heaven. No one said about going to hell. I know. Because so he's going to go to hell. So was that a trick from the angel? No. No trick or did from the he, angel. Or he knew he's like, oh, the other one. Option is, I guess, hell. Yeah. Because I would just assume, okay, I'll just be wandering this earth for a, for a hot minute. You're getting ahead of the story here. Oh, sorry, you sorry. calm down. <laughs> I just feel like an angel just tricks someone, which isn't nope. common. Okay. So the devil sent some of his servants, or one of his servants, to fetch Jack's soul and bring it to hell. 
When the servant knocked at the door, Jack answered. At this moment, Jack knew his time was up, and he invited the servant in, and then offered him a seat in his chair. As you can imagine, Satan's minion was now trapped in the chair, unable to move. Jack fetched his flail and began to beat the servant without mercy. Oh my God. It wasn't long before the servant begged Jack to let him free, and it wasn't until he promised that he would not take his soul and would flee that Jack allowed him to leave. I can't believe he believed a demon. <laughs> the next day, Satan sent... Well, I mean, this is the same demon who's like, yeah, I'll sit down. Like, I guess maybe it's not true. the smartest. <laughs> the, not the number one guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he didn't send his best. No, no. The next day, Satan sent another of his servants to Jack's home in an effort to take his soul once again. This time, Jack told the servant that surely he can't go to hell barefoot and that he must fix his shoes first. He asked the servant to bring him his tools. As you can imagine, this resulted in the servant being trapped against the wall with the tools. And once again, Jack grabbed his flail and beat the servant until he promised to leave and never return. Mm. At this point, the devil became irate and decided to fetch Jack's soul himself. If you want something done, you do it yourself. Do it yourself. When the devil arrived at Jack's door, Jack agreed to go with him. But before they could go, Jack told the devil that he was too old and his leg was lame. He would need the devil to give him a piggyback ride. (laughs) Or, at the very least, fetch him a walking stick. And Jack motioned the devil towards his sycamore tree. Mm. The devil agreed. And upon breaking a branch, the devil was immediately imprisoned against the sycamore tree. Once again, Jack seized his flail and began to beat the devil without remorse. From sun up to sundown. Wow. He's like, I thought hell was bad. Yeah, this is the guy who's so evil, he was beating the devil up. (laughs) When the devil could take no more pain, he promised Jack that if he let him free, he would never bring Jack's soul into hell. So Jack let him go. It wasn't long after that that Jack finally passed away. Only his soul was not welcome in heaven, and owing to their deal, was not allowed into hell. Mm. So Jack's soul is stuck on earth, forced to wander until the day of judgment comes. All that he has is a lantern in his hand to see through the darkness of night. And according to an 1851 poem by Hercules Ellis, quote, a lantern in his hand he bears the way by night to show, and from its flame he got the name of Jack O'Lantern now, end quote. Ooh, I love that. So now there's a second version of the story. Some similarities, some okay. differences. I'm not sure which one I like more. I was originally going to do one, but I read them both. And I'm like, I had to do them in my own words, but I was like, man, these are both good. So here's the second one. <laughs> okay. Once again, we start with stingy, not stingy, Jack. A drunk bastard with no compassion for his fellow man. However, in this version, he never had a moment of kindness or charity. There was no angel. His deeds and his manipulative words became known far and wide, eventually reaching the devil himself. The devil was intrigued, if not doubtful, that such an evil man could exist, (laughs) and decided to visit Jack and see for himself if what they say were true. One night when Jack was walking home at night, he came across a body. Only this body had an evil smile and a haunting look. It wasn't long before it transformed into the devil, and Jack was aware of what was happening. The devil informed Jack that his time had come, and his deeds had earned him a place in the eternal hellfire below. (laughs) Before they departed, Jack asked the devil if he'd be allowed to have one final drink of ale before they went to hell. For reasons not clear to me, Satan decided to allow Jack this final request, perhaps out of admiration for all the evil that Jack had done. I'm not sure. So off to the pub they went. As the night progressed, they both went to the pub. Yeah, he took Jack to the pub to drink. He's like, "Yeah, we'll we'll stop uh, at the pub on our way to hell." You know, why not? I guess that's a plan. As the night progressed and Jack could drink no more, he told the devil he had no money to pay. 
He convinced the devil to turn himself into a silver coin so that Jack could pay the tab, and that when the bartender was distracted, the devil could turn himself back into his, you know, his devilly visage and then take Jack to hell. The devious nature of the deed intrigued the devil, so he agreed. As soon as the devil became a silver coin, Jack placed him in his pocket, where unbeknownst to the devil, Jack also had a crucifix. Ooh. The presence of which nullified Satan's powers, keeping him from reverting to his true form. At this point, Satan was trapped, and Jack laid out his demands. Spare my soul for another ten years, and I will let you go, said Jack. The devil didn't have many options, so he agreed. (laughs) Ten years passed, and once again Jack stumbled upon a body on the road with the same face he had seen before. The devil had returned to take his soul. And once again, Jack was ready to test his smarts. He begged the devil for an apple before they left because he was hungry. <laughs> now, I'm not sure what specifically goes on in hell, but apparently you don't want to go there on an empty stomach. So the be, devil agreed. You don't want to be hangry. Yeah, you don't want to be hangry in hell. I mean, no. it's already a crappy place. Yeah, exactly. So the devil agreed, forgetting the misfortunes of their last encounter. The devil climbed up the nearby apple tree to fetch Jack some food, and while suspended, Jack immediately placed several crucifixes at the base of the tree, trapping the devil inside it. For someone so evil, he sure has a lot of crucifixes. Seems a little dumb. (laughs) The devil, I mean. Oh, Uh, oh, the devil is just weird. With no way to escape, the devil asked Jack what he wanted. Jack decided that asking for ten years was short-sighted, and instead demanded that the devil never take his soul in exchange for the devil's freedom. The devil begrudgingly agreed, and Jack set him free. The years passed, and eventually Jack's indulgences in alcohol ended his life. Jack's soul ventured to the gates of St. Peter, but was denied entrance because of his sinful life and excessive indulgences. One version of the story Mm. said God told him no. Oh, wow. So, with no other place to go, Jack's soul then ventured to the gates of hell, asking for entrance. In fact, begging for entrance. However, due to the terms of their agreement... The devil refused to allow him entrance, but instead gifted him an ember inside a hollowed-out root vegetable to light his way while his soul roamed the world endlessly with nowhere to go. And that is the story of Stingy Jack, often attributed to being the origin of the jack-o'-lantern. But it should also be noted that many historians believe that both the jack-o'-lantern and this story were created completely independently, and over time, people combined them together, and it's one of those things that even though the stories now seem to claim it has to do with Jack Lantern and vice versa, that they probably started independently of each other. Right. And then kind of just got mixed together. That's pretty cool. So the next time you carve out a cute creature or a fuzzy animal into a Jack Lantern, just remember that it might be seen by a wandering soul doomed for all eternity. I'll just tell the devil to get me an apple every time. <laughs> Apparently that works. And that's my story. <laughs> I loved it. I'm, I'm sure it has all those classic morals of these other things like, you may be manipulative, you may be able to control people, but at the end of the day, they may have something that you need or want and that they can just withhold it from you. It's like, treat people well because they might be able to get the upper hand eventually and then oh, you're screwed. Sure. So he was able to get by in his life pretty well, but he lost in the end. So I guess that's probably the story. I guess so. Evil does not pay off, people. So we should take a quick break. Because when we come back, I've got my 25-question quiz. And then we'll have the movie discussion. So we'll see you guys in a few. Okay, so we're back. I have my drink still. And Chase was like... She's doing a screwdriver. I got a little little treat for you. And it is um, a giant bottle of vodka that you brought out. I had to bring out the... (laughs) 
Because there might be a shot or two in the future. Oh, Lord. So it's time for my surprise Halloween trivia quiz. The questions are kind of all over the place, and I really tried to keep them from being too hard, but maybe they are. I don't know. We did a pub quiz last night that was so hard, like no team did well. And and while we were there and I had been working on this quiz, I was like, man, I hope I don't do the same thing. So I apologize if these are too hard, but I'm going to try. Maybe they're too easy. I don't know. Making quizzes is hard. It is hard. It's hard to gauge sometimes. Yeah. So it's a mix of multiple choice, true or falses, and a few where you just need to know the answer. Okay. Several are general supernatural questions. Some are Halloween themed. Mm. Others are horror film themed. And some are about stories that we've covered on this very podcast. Lily, I will expect you to take a drink every time you get a wrong answer. Okay. And I will be able to give you an American-style grade at the end of the quiz, since it's 25 questions. Each question is worth four points. Sure. And like those trashy magazines, you know, like Cosmo and all that stuff, the results, although statistically insignificant, you have a ranking, and I'll give you that ranking. And a description and, like, what my future holds. If you get an F, it means you are a blurry photo with a finger in the way. (laughs) Most consider you a hoax, and you have to take two shots at the end of the quiz. Oh, okay. D, you are an orb. Some say ghost, some say <laughs> dust. You have some believers, but even they feel like it's a stretch. You have to take one shot. Okay. C, you are an EVP recording. Everyone agrees that there is something there, but what it is isn't clear. It might be a ghost saying, help me, or a cat in heat outside. Okay. Oh, Either way, we are going to listen to it 30 times. You just have to take three drinks. Okay, so like three No gulps. shot, just three Gotcha, gulps. okay. B, you are a photo with a ghost in it that hasn't been digitally manipulated. Mm. Although it could still be a result of various photographic trickery, believers are convinced and skeptics have to get to work. Even ghost hunters dream of getting this. You don't need to drink. That's just your easy way out. Nice. A, you are the Phoenix Lights. Even the most skeptical have to admit they don't have a good explanation. You are truly a paranormal mystery. As a naysayer, I have to take a shot. Oh, okay. I like this. So let's get on with the quiz. I'm so scared now. I tried to start them out easy. Maybe they're really stupid. I looked at a lot of Halloween quizzes online, and most of them were really lame, so I was like, I'm hoping mine was better. Okay, so you made them, obviously, right? Oh, like yeah, yeah. Just, okay, I got cool. inspiration, but a lot of them were, like, terrible. Or so. awful. Okay. Or they were, like, the obvious Halloween movie quizzes where I'm like, everyone knows this now, especially because of the Scream movies. So, anyway. Oh, sure. Which of the following is not a name for werewolves? <gasps> a, Lycanthrope. B, Lou Garou, which is French. Or C, Haragermond, which is German. Oh, Jesus. Well, I didn't know we were going into different languages. Well, one of these is really well known. One I've heard before, and the other one I made up. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, I want to hear you say the other one. I know Lycanthrope is true. Lycanthrope, Lou Garou, which is French, and (laughs) Haragermond, German. They both sound fake. (laughs) One of them's real. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say French is false. Wrong. That is oh. a real term. And it's a common one. It's used in Canada. In, oh, does in it? In the French speaking areas. I yeah. have yet. To, oh, my God. I did cover a French It's, it's spelled thing. like loup garou, but it's pronounced. Oh, I had to listen to a French person saying it like loup garou, but like with someone who actually knows how to sure. pronounce French words doing right. it correctly. Herregermond. You know, I use Google Translate. That's German for hairy moon. <laughs> There's a German person out there being like, you idiot. It means Harry Moon. Well, and it might not even correctly mean Harry Moon. It's just the words Harry and Moon together. 
Yeah, it probably sounds weird. <laughs> All right. Question two. Name two ways that someone can become a werewolf, according to legend. I have eight written down. There may be more, but I wrote oh, down okay. eight ways. You have to name two ways that someone can become a werewolf. So, like being bitten? Is that what you mean? That's one. Okay. Also, they said scratched also counts in some legends. Scratched or bitten, but yes. So that's combined. Yeah. Dang it, that was going to be my other one. Um, <laughs> a curse. Boom, you got two. Yeah, I know that one. Um, All right, so of the easy ones I was able to find, they can be bitten slash scratched by a werewolf. They can inherit it from their parents. Oh, right. They can be cursed from an external source. They can be the seventh son born of the seventh son. I do remember That's that. a very Sorry. South American one, apparently. Yeah. Uh, or the 13th. It depends on the lore. And yeah. I think that comes from different countries, too. They can be murdered under a full moon. Oh, I didn't know that one. This one is a new one to me. If you abstain from Catholic sacraments for 10 years, which we know isn't true because there's a lot of people who do. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then have sex with a werewolf. That one came up more than a few <laughs> times. So I'm like, but the that's thing just is, hopeful. But the thing I was wondering there is, is this like a furries fantasy where they're having sex with someone who is a current werewolf? Or is it someone who is not transformed in human form, but they happen to be a werewolf? Because mm. that one makes more sense. Like you have sex with a guy and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I am a werewolf like on full moons. Yeah. Or is it like someone sees a werewolf and they're like, oh, I so gotta I'm thinking get me some. It's like herpes. So if like, if you're showing signs, uh-huh. then it's, it's contagious. Like, but if not, you're good. I'm not sure. So, but you got, you got <laughs> that one correct. All right. Question three. We all know about the infamous witch trials of Europe and colonial America. But true or false, Uh-oh. in the 1500s and 1600s, there were also werewolf trials that resulted in the execution of innocent people throughout Europe. I would say true. It is true. Question four. Let's switch over to another popular monster, vampires. Mm. Often practiced by people who identify as real-world vampires, the psychiatric definition of people obsessed with drinking blood is known as A, stokerism, B, Renfield syndrome, C, Hematophilia. I'm going to say hematophilia. Wrong. Is it Renfield? It's Renfield syndrome. Damn it. So I invented. That was my second one. Like, or like my initial gut. I'm like, nah, that's not it. So I invented hematophilia, which sounds like hemophilia, which is a very different. Oh, that's totally different. Yeah. I also invented stokerism as in Bram Stoker, the guy who wrote it. I was like, (laughs) because Renfield's from Dracula. So I said, well, take the author too. And then take it as well. But it's it's Renfield syndrome. Oh my God. Who knows this? Interesting fact about this, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which psychiatric professionals in the United States use, does not actually consider Renfield syndrome a real thing popular culture has hmm. embraced it and you know a lot of fiction and stories so they something that talk you call about yourself it. like i'm a big fan i'm a rain Redfielder i like to drink blood but yeah apparently most so they're actually drinking blood you would say yeah actually okay. most uh psychiatric professionals will consider people who are obsessed with blood as it being an aspect of either schizophrenia or paraphilia as like a sexual mm. thing that it's not its own unique issue it's a it's form a of other fetish things. kind of thing kind, or or someone might have some other mental disorders sure. it's okay. one of the things now huh. let's jump into some halloween specific questions question five according to the massive halloween specialty shop spirit halloween that always <laughs> seems to pop up around this time of year what is the most sold costume for adults in 2023 you can say either man oh, woman geez. or both 2020 this year this year this year it changes through the years, but this year it is the most sold costume for adults. You can give me either the guys or the girls or both. Either will get you a win. 
Oh my god, I have no idea. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Barbie because that's really big right now. Do you have a guess for the guy? Ken. <laughs> you are 100 right. It's Barbie oh my and Ken. God, are you serious? It's Barbie and Ken. Oh my god, that's awesome. Two of our friends dressed up as Barbie and Ken over the weekend. Yeah, and, and when they I saw did a great it, job, and I knew it. I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like something I feel a lot of people probably would be doing. Yeah. Just like when, what's her name, Harley Quinn. She that, that was, was like super a big popular one. that year too. Yeah. It's just like you just got to remember what pictures you're seeing most right now, yeah. and that's what I'm seeing the most. And Spider Man's up there too. Apparently, believe it or not. I believe it. Yeah. So uh, in adults, I know it would be with kids, but in oh, adults, I guess you're right. I, there, yeah. I mean, there there was a Spider Man movie this year, so I guess that works. True. True. All right, question six. Now let's talk about candy for a second. What was the most sold candy in the United States leading up to Halloween this year? 2023 only. Uh, Granted, uh, I went to a lot of sites to look at a lot of things. This one seemed to be agreed upon as the most consistently number one sold. Candy. uh, Nationwide. If all states are put in nationwide. I mean. Do you feel like you need a hint? I kind of do because, like, I don't know. I think it'll be chocolate. Okay, I'll give you that hint. It is a it is a candy where chocolate is a fundamental factor. Like so a it's, part it's, of it. So it's okay. not a fruity candy or anything like that. Chocolate is a big part of it. Okay, I'm going to say, I don't know. I'm still going to say uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That's it. 100%. You're kidding. You got it. Woo! <gasps> Which totally blows my mind because as my friends know, and this is going to shock a lot of listeners, I can't stand Reese's, but I hate peanut butter. I love peanuts hate peanut butter and Reese's if you don't like peanut butter it's all peanut butter like it's peanut butter in your face yeah I like him I I don't I think I'm like a normal peanut butter lover or liker because I probably get a normal amount I'll eat a PB&J but I don't know if I'll ever super crave it you don't stick a spoon in the jar and eat it no 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 there are people there are plenty of people who do but um, oh yeah if you're gonna give me peanut butter, at least has to be crunchy because then I like it a lot more. But sure, uh, sure. According to that same statistic, number two was Kit Kats and number three was Skittles. Oh wow! However, to add more information in a state by state breakdown, things got more interesting. <laughs> the most interesting is that four states and only four states, hot tamales made their top five sold. Is it New Mexico? Hot tamales. New Mexico was one of them. It was the number three candy sold in New Mexico this year for Halloween. Oh, wow. Hawaii, number two. That one makes sense because they like they like them some hot sure, food. Sure, they do. But there were two states, two states where it was number one. The number the one number sold candy. One. Yeah. Uh, and they're nowhere near each other. Oh, dang. Yeah, this isn't a quiz question, so just give it give oh, a shot. Oh, no, try, I, I just like guessing. I'm going to say randomly Massachusetts because it's really No, far. but close. Oh, really? Um, like Pennsylvania, uh, wrong Verm- direction. Oh, uh, Maryland. I don't know. You're in the area. It's Vermont. Dang it, Vermont. I always forget that little guy. Now the other one is in a completely different part of the country. Okay. Give another guess. Oh, uh, bu- bu- um, Wyoming, because there's like two people there. Montana, close. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Right. So they like their. You know what? I love <laughs> hot tamales. I think they're awesome, but I never would have associated them as being like a Halloween thing. So I think that's cool. That's neat. Nice. Interesting stuff. That's pretty cool. All right, relating to the story I told this, question number seven. Carving jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland. When immigrants moved to the U.S., they started carving them out of pumpkins because they were native to the area. Mm. But what did they originally carve jack-o'-lanterns out of back in Ireland? There's two potential correct answers here. Um, A beet? No. A, it's like root-based. It, it, it is a root. I, I actually see it One in of my them head, is a root. but I don't actually... Actually, they're both. Know what they're called. Like, 
I'm very bad with my roots, veggies, things. Um, <clears throat> so a turnip. That's turnips. That's, that's what it. I was trying to think. Turnips most Not commonly, beet. but also rutabagas. So those are both very similar root oh, vegetables. Rutabaga. Yeah. And I love them both. But yeah, they used to carve them out of turnips. I did know that because I can see it. And a beet's too small and it was red, but I was thinking of like this giant white thing with black stripes kind of thing when you draw them. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw online at the National Museum of Ireland, they did a casting of one of the turnip jack-o'-lanterns from like Mm -hmm. 1850. So you can see a cast to see exactly what it would look like. And it is terrifying. It's the most terrifying jack-o'-lantern I've ever seen. So I'm hoping I can slide that picture into our Instagram episode image because it (laughs) looks terrifying. I love that. One of these days I might need to carve one because turnips are going to be much, uh, it's more carving and Less like a pumpkin in that you... Well, there isn't really... You're you don't get a lot take more detail. Out. It's going to be yeah. more like carving out of a heavy, dry clay. But anyway. Anyway. Next question. Love it or hate it, candy corn is a staple of the Halloween tradition. However, it wasn't called candy corn at first. Oh, God. What was it called? <laughs> that's, uh, that's your question. Oh, uh, no. Was candy corn originally called A, chicken feed, B, Halloween nibbles, or C, sweet coblets? <laughs> I'm really proud because the two that I made up, I'm uh, really proud of them because I think they all are believable. I love chicken feed because it's so weird. And that is exactly what they look like. So I'm going to go with it. That's correct. Oh, hell yeah. It was chicken feed. <laughs> I really liked, because, you know, corn on the cob, sweet coblets. See, I think that's a great cobl- name. <laughs> Come on. That's a good name. That's cute. I think all I'm going to call them that now. So you got another one right. Question number nine. We all know that some costumes are done in poor taste. But did you know that some costumes are actually illegal? In yeah. one state, it is illegal to dress up as either a priest, nun, or other <gasps> other clergy member. Which state is it? A, California, B, Wisconsin, C, Alabama. Oh, damn. I am going to say Alabama. Good. I think I was trying on purpose to make that one easier because okay. I figured 50 choices. And so I picked... Uh, one in the south. One that isn't known for being Christian. <laughs> right. One that is known for being Christian, and one that's kind of on the fence. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Thank. I appreciate that because I think it could have been a very hard question. Yeah. Apparently, it's a law thirteen a dash fourteen dash four, and you can be punished with up to a five hundred dollar fine. Damn. That's, yeah, that's uh, heavy. That's not cheap. I imagine teenagers still going to do it. But. I probably. Question number ten. Since we have been doing a horror movie marathon all month, I think it's appropriate for us to take a few movie-themed questions. Let's start with a classic film question. Two of the most famous horror films of all time, Dracula, starring Bela Lugosi, and Frankenstein, starring Boris Karloff, both came out in 1931. Oh, God. But which one of them came out first that year? (gasps) This is a 50-50 question. You either have Dracula or Frankenstein. And they are very far apart. They weren't, like, days apart. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, one at the beginning, one at the end of the year. Frankenstein? Boom, wrong. Oh! <laughs> I, I have no idea. So Dracula was released February 14th of the year, and uh, Frankenstein almost at the end of the year, November 21st. Oh, okay. So it's almost Yeah, like, this okay. one, I didn't know the answer ahead of time, but I thought it was, I was I was going to ask, what was the first horror movie that came up? When I found out they came up the same year, I was like, it's going to be just these two. It'll be easier to confuse me. Although It, the movie It, holds the title for the highest grossing horror film of all time, those numbers are a bit misleading because that's only true when we don't adjust box office returns for inflation. Oh, sure. When adjusting for inflation, what horror movie holds the title as the highest grossing horror film of all time? A, Paranormal Activity. It's Paranormal Activity. B, Edward Scissorhands. C, Jaws. 
Ah, you threw in Jaws. That's just unfair. I'm going to say Paranormal Activity. You're wrong. It was Jaws. Damn it. (laughs) And Paranormal Activity wasn't even the highest grossing in that series. Paranormal Activity 3 was the highest in that series. The third one? Really? And it's, it's probably the worst one. Wait, which one's the third one? So the second third one, one is the one that's supposed to be in the eighties, and there's a babysitter, and they spent no money on actually making it look oh, like it took right. place in the eighties. So it the has like the girl one, saying "Bloody Mary" in front of the mirror and stuff. The second one is just the fan, the sister, right? Is yeah, the one? first one is okay. the girl and her boyfriend in the house, and they do the Ouija board that burns. The second one is the sister at the fancy house with the pool, and sh- and they get dragged into the basement. Mm, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite one. That's my favorite, The first too. two are both excellent. The third one is the really boring one with the two girls in the, yes, the when little closet, children. And, and it was awful. And then they actually started getting better after that. But anyway, Jaws, adjusted for inflation's box office draw in today dollars is $1.154 billion. Holy shit. Yeah, it wasn't just, I mean, and it, it, it's credited as creating the blockbuster. Like, it is... Oh, right. I do yeah. know that. It's yeah. huge. So that was important. All right. Question 12. Oh, the, Lord. The horror film Barbarian showed the mm. potential horrors. We watched that one this month. Showed the potential horrors of private home rentals. And even though both HomeAway, <laughs> now known as VRBO, and Airbnb were both mentioned and used by characters in the movie, only Airbnb seems to be the one that people talk about. In fact, the title Barbarian is written only using the letters of Airbnb. True or false, this bad PR caused Airbnb to sue the production company for defamation. Oh, uh, I hadn't heard anything of it, but I don't know. Sounds like something a company would do. I'm going to say true. Oh, hold on. Because they might like it. They're like, oh, they mentioned us. There's that whole, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Right. And a lot of people do really believe that. My mind was blown, by the way, that Barbarian was written only using the I know, when you said it, I actually had it like, hold on. Yep, it checks. <laughs> and the the street that the Airbnb was on is Barbary Street. And some oh. there's a fan theory, because it was like, the place you stay, it's the Barbary Inn, Barbarian. Yeah, that's a fan theory thing. Okay, that's kind of cute. Anyway, anyway, so, but true or false, Airbnb sued the production company for this. Ah, I'm going to say true. False. Ah, oh, Damn. I thought they would have too. I, I feel I, like they might have, but I don't. Yeah, I it, think the it reason is way. the reason is they didn't point out Airbnb as being at fault for anything here. It was so I think they would have lost that lawsuit. So because that's why it's they like didn't a do it. well, I don't know. The only reason why is because I don't know if like in a lot of um, horror movies they even mention hotels. That's why I was trying to think. I'm mm-hmm. like, are there people saying I'm staying at the Holiday Inn or I'm staying at this? Uh, Motel 8, because I don't remember actually seeing those companies. So I'm thinking they purposely avoid saying specific companies because they don't want to get sued. And saying Airbnb like 500 times, I would assume they would. And I think you can also assume, though, that Airbnb is the name is kind of falling into that same category as Xerox and Kleenex where it's kind of becoming a generalized term. And so people are now using Airbnb to refer to all those. Like I had to actually go and rewatch the clip in the movie where they're talking about when he mentions HomeAway is where he booked it because I couldn't remember the name of the other service. Now, HomeAway doesn't exist anymore. They bought VRBO, but then rebranded as VRBO, which is like vacation. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it, but it stands for like vacation rental something. I don't know. It stands for (laughs) something, but yeah, Verbo or whatever. Okay. But that's how important Airbnb is as a name to recognize what it is because we heard it and I didn't even remember what it was. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. But maybe 
they are going to sue, and I will be right eventually. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. Because it doesn't matter for this quiz. I guess not. Question 13. Which of the following was a working title for Tremors before they ultimately settled on the one we know and love? Oh, lovely. A, Land Sharks. B, <laughs> Underground. C, oh. Deadly Vibrations. Oh, my God. I, I had to come up with the other two. I want it to be Deadly Vibrations. You Is that your answer? That's going to be my answer. No, it was Land Sharks. <laughs> land Sharks. <laughs> it was Land Sharks. <laughs> Which is funny because that was actually the name of the beer might still exist. But when I worked at a beer distributor, we launched the Land Shark Ale, which is supposed to be like a Mexican style cerveza. Okay. And it wasn't bad. It was okay, I guess, but it had a cool label. And I was like, Land Shark, that's good. And so, yeah, Land Sharks was one of the many working titles for Tremors. It does make sense, but I really wanted it to be Deadly Vibrations. <laughs> I came up with that, by I'm, the way. I'm going to stick to it. I didn't. Right, graboids, even though it seemed obvious because that could have been, because you know they mention it in the movie. I they was like, probably uh, was, maybe. Maybe it was, um, but yeah. All right, question 14. As of October 2023, which of these movie franchises has the most sequels? There's four options here. Okay. So, Paranormal Activity. Oh. Saw. Oh, God. Halloween. Friday the 13th. There were so many more that I cut out because they were just too close. And we're talking about like as long as it has Michael Myers in it, even though it might not be like. No, it has the, the name Halloween. Or Halloween in it. It has the name Halloween. Like for instance, Friday the 13th, Freddy versus Jason counts. But also for Jason then, for Friday and and Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, but I guess that's not an option. Not, I think you I mean, mean Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. But like, I didn't put Child's Play oh, right, in right. here, even though that was had a high number. And oh, I did I put the that, Hellraiser. Yeah. That has a lot of them in it. But yeah, so uh, for instance, with Friday 13th, the, the Freddy versus Jason counts. If Alien were on here, the answers Predators would count. It has to be, you know, in that line. So, so your options are the Paranormal Activity series, okay. the Saw series, the Halloween series, and the Friday 13th series. Keep in mind, this is as of now, as of October 2023, because some of the lists I found online were now wrong because Saw had a, has a movie in theaters right now. Sure. And Halloween had a new movie this year. This year. So these are up to date as of today. So I feel like you just gave me a hint because if they're wrong now. Oh, I, I no, 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 no. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm trying to, I'm this like, is a hard one. This is hard. I was actually shocked at how many. So it's either Saw or Halloween. I was shocked at how many some of these had. Just saying. So Paranormal Activity, Saw, Halloween, or Friday the 13th. You know, I'm going to say Saw only because I was so shocked of how many there were. But see, there's there's that new one that's X. And I think the people said, why is it 10? We, Me and because Tyler had nine? that discussion and we found out it it is 10. It is 10? It, the X means 10. We, we found that out. That's a hint right there. I'm giving you, I'm telling you for sure, sure, sure. the one that's in theaters right now is the 10th one. That's a hint. Because this one is hard. So there are 10 Saw movies. You've established that, that, but you don't know how many there are of the other ones. I don't. I'm just going to say Saw because I don't, I'm not 100%. You're wrong. It's not even the second place. It's third place. Oh, damn. Paranormal Activity has seven. See, I feel like that was not on my radar. Child's Play apparently had like eight or something like that. And, I knew that one had a lot. That's why. And I Hellraiser, I think, had 10, same as Saw. I can't remember. Don't quote me on those. But oh, Saw has 10. The ninth one was Spiral, um, which we did see last year. Oh, on our that's list. right. It was nine. So Saw 10 so is I in theaters right now. Friday the 13th has 12. Oh, okay. Halloween has 13. Ooh. Halloween is the most. 
And that includes the most recent one, Halloween Ends. Okay, so... Now, they don't all involve Michael Myers, because Halloween 3, Curse of the Witch, infamously doesn't have anything to do with any of the other ones. Yeah, exactly. I think there's... Aren't there two that don't actually have them in? Or he possibly pe- he appears at the end of one, so I guess technically. Yeah, yeah, but there's like Halloween Resurrection, H2O, all those. But yeah. there are 13 Halloween films as of this year. Awesome. So, all right, question 15: Virginia Madsen, star of the film Candyman. You know the girl we the movie we wa- just watched this month. Yes. So Virginia Madsen, star of Candyman, is allergic to bees. True or false? Holy shit! Which is interesting considering she had a lot of scenes with bees on her. If she is, that's been terrifying. I'm gonna say, oh man, people did do messed up things to actors and and whatnot back in the day. They're like, screw it, we're just gonna mess with them and follow your heart, Lily. <laughs> what is my heart? I don't know. <laughs> is she allergic to bees? Uh, I'm gonna say yes. She is allergic. Oh to bees. Oh my god, that's so messed up. And the director didn't believe her, so she had to go get <gasps> tested. To prove she was and she was, so they used baby bees that don't sting. She was not stung during the making of the movie. However, the guy whose name I am embarrassed that I didn't write down because I I forgot it. He's an amazing actor. He apparently over the course of the first three Candyman's got stung a billion times. Like he mentions he got got stung a bunch by him because he had him in his mouth and everything (gasps) like that. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. Yeah, she is allergic to bees. She apparently is also even more allergic to wasps. But yeah, so but she was in it anyway. And the director said, we're going to have... Emergency crews there, you'll be fine. Once again, directors who don't actually treat their actors well. Yeah, exactly. Question 16. What was the name of the ship in the original Alien, a movie we watched this month? Mm. A, the Elysium. B, the Event Horizon. C, the Nostromo. The Nostromo. Boom, you got it. Yeah. I almost made this harder, and instead of writing Event Horizon, which we obviously know isn't it, sure. I was going to write the Sulaco, which is the name of the from Aliens. And yeah. I was like, that's too mean. No, I actually that. knew that. I just knew that one. It's one of my favorite yeah. spaceship names of all time. And the Elysium is from Pandorum. That's the name of the ship in Pandorum. Yeah. yeah. So. And it's also a movie with, what's to say, Matt Damon. Oh, that too. That too. <laughs> Question 17. True or false? The neighborhood used to film Idle Hands was the same neighborhood used in the original 1978 Halloween film. It is true. That is true. I did know that one. And it really does kind of look like it. It does. <laughs> We're like, man, these people live in a nice area. And they do. It's probably like many, many, it's many million dollar many homes. millions. It looks like a normal neighborhood, but we know what California is like. And you're like, that, those are expensive. <laughs> Question 18. There are quite a few monsters that can be summoned by saying their name three times, like Beetlejuice and Bloody Mary, for example. Yes. But how many times do you have to say Candyman? Cinco. Cinco? You have to say Cinco? <laughs> yeah, and you have to say it together. You're correct. It is five times. Apparently online, a lot of people still think it's only three because of the other ones, and I, I assume that was the mistake. Uh, that's definitely a really common mistake. Question 19. Do you remember in Hocus Pocus when the witches went to the house with the man dressed as Satan and partied with him? <laughs> no. I do. And partied with him until his wife got upset and threw them out? Yes. Well, in real life, the actor who played the master and the actress who played the master's wife were actually... This is in real life. Sure. A, husband and wife. B, the parents of one of the child actors in the movie. Or C, brother and sister. I'm going to say husband and wife. No, it's C, they're brother and sister. What? That's Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall. Oh they are my brother God. and sister actors. They do kind of look alike now uh-huh. that I think about it. I need to rewatch that. I haven't seen it. In- so yeah, that scene, the husband and wife were actually brother and sister. <laughs> and you know what? They were so believable as hateful, a hateful couple. It was they great. They really did hate each other. Nice. 
Question 20. Speaking of sisters, here's another true or false for you. When Whoopi Goldberg was unsure if she could fit the filming of Ghost into her schedule, <gasps> they offered the role to Jackie Harry, the mom from Sister Sister. True or false? Oh, no. I fucking love that woman, by the way. Do you think she could have done it? I do, actually. I totally do. I so see it now. So, true or false? I'm going to say true. It's true. Hell yeah. They offered it to her, but then Whoopi Goldberg I made see, her schedule. I love Whoopi Goldberg in it, so I'm never going to say I wish it was the other way around, but I kind of want to see that alternate movie now. <laughs> I do, too. And according to the stuff I was reading on IMDb, apparently the reason Whoopi Goldberg was cast was because Patrick Swayze was a big fan of hers and pushed them to cast oh, her. Oh, really? Which is, I mean, that movie was immaculately cast. I love that It was movie. perfectly casted. There, everything they did was right. There were a lot of things I learned about that movie. They didn't even want the director didn't even want Patrick Swayze. Oh wow! Because he had just seen Roadhouse and said he's too action star. And it wasn't until they saw him in an interview when he was talking about his recently deceased father Aww. that he saw his vulnerability and said, "I can cast this guy." the The facts on the IMDb for that movie are better than the movie, in my opinion. And I think it's a good movie, but the facts are fascinating. Like that movie had so much, it, apparently Demi Moore's haircut, that was not planned. She was cast. She didn't tell him that he, she was going to cut her hair. <gasps> she cut her hair right before showing up and he hated it at first. He said it grew on him oh, sure. and he now thinks it was perfect for the character. But like, there's so many fun facts and interesting things. Like that movie had a lot of things that could have gone wrong yeah. and it went really well. So this is good. Yeah. All right. Question 21. What good is a horror quiz without some good old UFO questions getting out of mm. movies here? In the United States, what month tends to have the most UFO sightings reported? Oh, a, December. B, July. C, October. <gasps> I'm going to say, just because I feel like it's too obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway, July, because it's the summer, people are outside more. You got it, 100%. Really? I tried to pick December because everyone has, like, Christmas lights out. I tried to pick October because oh, sure. it was spooky. But you're right. It's July. It's usually summer months. And I think it's because people are outside a lot. they're outside already. Yeah. And you got it. Question 22. Now it's time for a little review of previous stories that you have covered on this show. Oh, Lord. I won't they remember might, No, they're actually pretty easy. <laughs> There's a reason I'm asking these questions. Oh, gosh. Let's see how well you remember them. Which cryptid steals people's skin? The Mananango? She's oh no, she takes off her own skin. Um oh the boo hag. Boom, it's the boo hag. And for those of you who want to know about the monster that steals your skin, that's episode seven. Go back and check it out. That's all right. Question twenty-three. What cryptid is so ugly that it cries <laughs> constantly? It can be tracked by following a path created by its tears. Poor squonk. The squonk. You got it. The Squonk. That's episode 92. You absolutely need to go back and listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. Question 24. Do you remember Baba Yaga? I do. What was a notable feature that her house had? The chicken legs. Chicken legs. Her house could walk around and all creepy. <laughs> and spin. That's episode 25 if you want to hear it. It's a really good one. You should go back and check it out. I want to I wanna hear you say at the end, it's not a good one. Don't check it out. <laughs> No. <laughs> Question 25. What allegedly haunted box was sold on eBay by Kevin Manis and eventually became a viral sensation? The Dybbuk? The Dybbuk box. That is episode 46. And interestingly enough, reading on it, very recently, 
after we did that episode, sure. he apparently has gone out and said he 100% fabricated and it's a complete hoax. Ooh. He made all of it up because he's a story writer and he planned it for a long time before he did it. So he planned for it to go viral and then one day reveal it's fake or? He didn't plan for the viral because oh, he oh. did this in like 2003 or something. Dang, I can't remember how but long he ago wanted was. to create a living urban legend, ah. and so he, he and I think he came out either last year or the year before it to say it was one hundred percent hoax and I made it all up. Okay, so don't listen to that episode. No, you should because it's a really good one. It's creepy. <laughs> it terrified me. Uh, it's well, really a good lot one. of people, if I remember correctly, were actually affected. So it just goes to show how strong the mind really is. Absolutely. So now it's time to tally up the score. Give us a second. I think I probably got the finger. All right, how many wrong did I get? Because I know, I feel like it's 50-50. I had some highs, but I had a lot of lows. Oh, wow. You did terribly. <laughs> oh, my God. So you got 17 out of 24 right. Oh, Jesus. Uh, 25 right. 17 25. out of 25, which doing my little fancy long multiplication That's here. That's a D. You got a D. You got a 68%. So according... To Chase's perfectly designed I'm starting to have scoring flashbacks from high school. D means you are an orb. Some say ghost. <laughs> some say dust. You I'm may have elusive. some believers, but even they feel like it's a stretch. You have to take a shot. Oh, Lord. Here we go. Those uh, are some were really hard, I feel. Yep. I knew once you had three wrong, I was like, well, I don't have to take a shot today. <laughs> So much for dreams of being the Phoenix Lights. And she's drinking out of our Hair of the Werewolf-themed shot glass. Hopefully, will officially be a product very soon. We'll find out. Hopefully next year, Chase. No, I'm Chase. hoping still this year. Maybe next year of the show, but still 2023. We'll figure it out. We'll see. We've been seeing forever. Okay, so cheers. Cheers. I don't know how you guys did at home. If you're driving while you did the quiz and you did poorly, wait until you're home to take your shots. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So that was the uh, 100th episode quiz. And now it is time for us to go to the movie list discussion. So if you're not interested in spoilers or any of that, this is now the time to end the episode and check out our next episode, which if you're listening to this in the future, we have already released. If not, <laughs> we have 100 episodes you can jump back to and check it out, including the four I just listed, like the Boo Hag and the, and the Baba Yaga and stuff. You should check those so out. So quick question. Did you choose those because you you personally like those stories more or you just thought they were fun? I felt that getting questions that related to haunted locations were going to be a lot harder to get correct because a lot of haunted locations have a lot of similar traits to them. And they have very specific names that have absolutely nothing to do with the hauntings. Exactly. Like, they'll be like, oh, the, the pink dress manor. And you're like, well, I'm not going to remember. Exactly. It's not as like standout-y. Well, and like Boo Hag was three years ago. That was episode seven. And I was like, but we remembered it and we talked about it. And I thought that the cryptids, the monsters, were going to be easier to remember. Yeah. And I also felt that when I looked at them, they were good episodes. I really like monster stories and cryptids. And those might be the kind that people might be intrigued by. Yeah. So hopefully you guys can go check those out. So we're going to do things a little different today with our movie discussion. Mm. Unlike the first half of the month, which we were a near-perfect viewing record, there were a few movies we missed in the second half. But in our defense, it wasn't laziness. We had Lily's birthday to celebrate, various Halloween-related obligations, and of course, we had to work on this very episode. So we missed a few, but fear not, we are going to cover them. They will not be missed. The movies that we missed, we're going to be watching in the next couple of days, and we will cover them 
next episode. It'll be at a the nice, end. nice little post Halloween treat. So the few when we get to one that we missed, we're gonna let you know. We're gonna skip it and we'll talk about it later. So there will be right. a third movie discussion in the next episode. So you uh, remember where we left off? I'm I do. Actually... So we were. The funny thing is, we we left off at Overlord, and we were supposed to watch Midsummer, which we missed. And, and it's the one I wanted to watch the most. So we're going to watch that soon. We we knew it was going to be a heavy movie, and that night wasn't a good night. Also, by the way, two and a half hours, I think it's it's the it's length. It's long. I had no idea. I have a really yeah, hard time. Yeah, there was time. a day we were about to watch it, and we it was getting close to midnight, and we're like, we're not going to be able to stay literally, It was midnight, and we're like, I I stay up late, but I don't like staying up late and watching movies. Exactly. It's, it's different. The movie deserved more. So the first one we did watch was Deadstream, which we saw on Shudder. Yes. And that was a weird one. I had no idea what to expect. It is uh, weird. So, but I like it. I liked it because I think it had some really cool practical effects that you don't really see a whole lot anymore. And the only problem- Very Evil Dead reminiscent in terms of how they did the which monsters I, and stuff. I liked. I think it was a little long or it was way too a little long. repetitive, I think. It was both. Um, so um, for, for those of you that don't remember the movie or you you just want to hear about it, this movie was about a viral streamer, a guy who makes like his own show. He's very much modeled, in my opinion, after PewDiePie. That may have been intentional, where he's kind of an annoying personality. There's and a lot he, of screaming, a lot of drama. And like, he just, has a lot of followers, but then a lot of people watch him because they hate him anyway. And so he decided for his latest thing, he was going to trap himself in a haunted house uh, an abandoned haunted house. Yeah, and he does this like everything. extreme thing because he's getting canceled for things he said. You know, so it's kind of like he's he's, he's trying done to do offensive things, right? He's trying to be a redemption or like you know, if your guy's gonna hate me, I'm gonna do the most ridiculous thing. And he kind of always had done that, but in this case, it's like the one thing he was never going to do. And I think the biggest issue I had with the movie is the guy's personality was just too much. To it handle. was a little much. And I think he was trying to be a character and I think he succeeded, but I hated that character in the same way that I'm not fond of PewDiePie. Mm -hmm. I get why people like him. I, there's nothing against him as a person, but it's not the kind of thing I like to indulge. I think he executed the role a little too, too well, well. Too well. To the point where it was like a little annoying versus more satirical. And I think that's kind of where I missed the mark for it or like it missed the mark for me. But there were moments that were absolutely hilarious with his personality. When you first started seeing scary stuff actually happening, because he wasn't quite sure. He was scared, but he wasn't quite sure things were going to happen. Yeah. Sometimes him freaking out was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I know it's going to sound weird, but I really liked his scream. It was so stupid. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And we heard his scream later. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think the best part of the movie was that a lot of the times you can see other users watching his stream commenting in the bottom right of mm -hmm. the screen. That was the best part. And they're so realistic because it's like a bunch of people who are just kind of saying whatever they want and they kind of suck, just like most people commenting on videos online. Yeah. And you have people who are like, this is fake, fake. And then others saying like, oh my God, and trying to give advice. Other people were trying to encourage yeah. them to do something even worse. Some of the creature effects were legitimately good, and there were a few moments that I had unexpected scares. Like, I actually jumped like, holy shit. Like, yeah. I had those. I'm not sad I saw this movie. I'm glad I saw it, but I don't think I'm ever going to watch it Yeah, again. that's where I sit, too. Nah. That's okay. And then the next movie was Terrified, or in Venezuelan speak, Aterrados. So that is obviously a foreign film. It's in Spanish, but subtitles is fine. I, I don't know anymore about this movie i thought about it longer and i was like it did have some really cool ideas but i think certain maybe it was some of the acting that i think i was thrown off i didn't i don't know why i didn't like some of the reactions the characters it wasn't were, i just didn't understand it 
I, I think that's the what it was. How they acted. It's either maybe they were bad actors, maybe they were good actors. I just didn't understand what the characters were doing, and you know, like I feel like they should have been a lot more scared in certain situations, yeah, and then agreed. others, I was like, why are you freaking out now? Absolutely. Um, you were you literally just saw a dead child rise from the dead, and you seemed okay with it, or you weren't as troubled. They were all disinterested. And I wasn't sure if it, they were going for comedy. Because if it was, it didn't hit with me. I, I didn't think I anything know. was funny. And there were some cool creature effects that were really good. And there were some moments. There's the moment with the dead kid sitting mm-hmm. at the kitchen table. That scene was really good, but then they ruined it. They ruined it by going for a very long time and just hearing the people talking around the kid. And I was like, you're hitting all the impact and ruining it. It's starting to fizzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the best way I can describe this movie is I didn't like it once we got to the end. I said, good moments in a bad movie. But when I was looking at the list last night, when I was thinking about questions for the quiz, when this movie came up, I, for the life of me, could not remember this movie. I had to pull it up on Amazon to remind myself what the movie was. It was so forgettably bland to me that I forgot about this movie. And it's on lists of the scariest movies ever, but I would say... It is, yeah. I'd give this movie... One out of five stars. I'm never going to watch it again. I'm not going to recommend wow. it to anyone. I would give it a two only because I don't think it's the worst thing I've seen. And some of the moments I thought were done so well. I liked it when the kid wrote. Like, I remember being so tense when I saw it because I'm like, is he going to jump? Right. Is he going to do something? But then they ruined it in my opinion. Eh, I guess you're right. But I, I, I still liked it. If you took all the best moments of the movie and compressed it, I think you have less than two minutes of material. And it... And I'd gladly show someone two minutes of material and say, like, that's the good stuff. <laughs> that's the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, it's on top list. Maybe you guys will like it <laughs> a lot more than us. And then, yeah. Then we had Candyman, the original 1992 Candyman, which I had never seen, but Lily I love it. swore by it. And I got to tell you guys, that movie is awesome. <laughs> and it holds up for being for watching it. 31 years after it came out, I was sucked into it. It's very Clive Barker, though. Mm-hmm. It has some stuff similar to the Hellraisers, but I think it does it better. I found this movie pretty pretty engaging. I thought the plot was interesting. I thought the acting was good. I don't think I was ever scared, more full of dread at what was and happening. And I think that's kind of what... It was like it never let go either you were kind of anxious a lot of the times because you knew what was happening but it was kind of like a uh, case of miss uh whatever misidentity Uh or kind of like you're being convicted by something you didn't do or did you like who what what's really happening here i don't know i thought it was amazing it's still one of my favorites it was also cool to have a horror film that wasn't taking place in like a cabin in the woods or in rich white suburbia this was taking place in the projects. The projects. Or like the, yeah, it was, where was it? Chicago, It was right? Chicago. Yeah. It was Chicago Projects, and it was about a affluent white woman who goes to the projects and realizes this is a reality these people are living with, and it ruins her life. And I thought that was a much more interesting, compelling way to go about a horror movie than some of the cliches and tropes we're mm. used to. And interesting, I found out some fun facts for a couple of these movies. So... The exterior hallway and stairway scenes were actually filmed at the Cabrini Green housing projects in Chicago. Those were really filmed really? there, which before being torn down were some of the most infamous projects ever. Like they were infamous. They were known as being the example of why projects failed. Mm-hmm. The producers had to make a deal with the ruling gang 
and put several members as extras in the movie in exchange for the safety of the cast and crew. Holy shit. And apparently a bullet was shot <gasps> into the production fan on the last day of filming. That's all true. Oh my God. So there are real gang members there and they had to deal with the gang members saying, we're going to be on your turf filming. We'll put you guys in the movie if you guys don't like rob us, kill us, do anything like that. That's so Wild West to me. Like you literally cannot control the yeah. situation. So those- and yeah, like cops, you can't have... You, you couldn't hire enough cops, apparently, yeah. or security. You have to actually just uh, make a deal with the devil, almost. So all those really dingy project shots, that's not like them saying, hey, we're going to make some fake, crappy-looking projects. That was real. That's what they look like. <laughs> it that's looked where, real to that's me. That's where people lived. And so that's kind of horrifying. That's pretty sad, actually. But a solid movie. I think people should see it. Good performances. It's really good. Now I want to see... I don't know if the sequels are good. You know how generally horror sequels suck. But I definitely really want to see the remake. Oh, I do too. I don't know why people are upset about it, but we'll uh, I guess I'll find out. I don't know. And then the next one is The Host. It's another uh, foreign film. Creature that, feature. Yeah, it's a creature feature. It is a Korean film. And I don't know. I had a really good time with this movie. There's so much to love in this movie. It was too long. There were some pacing issues. It was issues. a little long. And yeah. some of the characters I wasn't able to fully dissect in my brain and understand, but... The creature is interesting, and I'm I was compelled by the characters, and I wanted to be there. Like, the, the, so it's like an underwater creature that they at least imply was created because they were dumping expired formaldehyde down the drain, right? In kind of a almost Godzilla e type way. And I'd like to also point out it was Herschel from The Walking Dead that was forcing the guy to dump the. <laughs> The it stuff was down. Virtual. They picked like the one white guy American in the movie was the devil, and yeah. I loved it. It was amazing because Herschel was the devil. So Herschel kind of. I mean, the actor is probably fine. Oh, but he's great actor. Yeah, he's great. Um, but the character, especially in the comics, I really hated Herschel. I'm I like, did too. Die. Big old creature comes, attacks a kind of the riverside and takes people, which we assume die, but it takes a little girl Mm -hmm. and that little girl's family is convinced she's still alive because she can make a phone call when she's trapped in a sewer and they try to rescue her, rescue her. Yeah. And so a lot of this movie was about kind of, it's interesting because we watched it, you know, post pandemic, but it was kind of like what happens if you have a pandemic and there's fears of a virus that's spreading Mm -hmm. and people getting infections and how you lock down cities and everything and there's a lot of interesting stuff it is pretty cool the only thing that i felt sad about is i don't think we saw the creature enough it didn't feel like it was the family versus the creature it was mostly the family trying to get to the creature evading the police government interference because they couldn't since obviously there was this mandated lockdown and i don't mean like the kind of cute kind where they're like you know, just don't go to the store. They were like, don't leave these facilities, this your house, because you will be, like, arrested yeah, and things like that. So it was mostly them just playing cat and mouse the whole time. And Agreed. then eventually the, the, the monster came up again. And the cat and mouse I, ran on too long, I it think, did. was the issue. Yeah. And, and that made the weird ending with it was them versus the monster feel a little disingenuous because, like you said, the government was the real villain the whole time. So when they were fighting the monster and they were, like, blaming the monster, it was the monster's fault, but also not because if they were able to get there earlier. And, yeah. And so the ending, I wasn't crazy about the ending. There were, I, There's some inconsistencies and, and confusing stuff about, like, the agent yellow that they were dropping yeah like why did you have to make up a fake virus i i I mean i'm not trying to yeah like be a huge spoiler but it was kind of obvious at first that the government was not handling this correctly so i did like that we saw a goofy dysfunctional family 
because become uh, the heroes. Yeah, yeah, because although it's very common in American cinema to show dysfunctional families, you don't really see it in cinema of other countries. At least not the ones that we are least, able yeah, to see. At least a lot of the ones we haven't seen. Yeah, I agree. And so it was really funny to see what was obviously a weird dysfunctional south korean family yeah and you could see that they loved each other but they had their own problems and it like was like one was an alcoholic the other one was just uh lazy or something yeah, like one that was like yeah. a lazy one who was supposed to be smart but like somehow never acted smart but he's not smart in the book way like he can just uh he can figure things he out. can figure things out and things work out for him i don't know really cool it was um, a good movie highly recommended great characters and then the next one was housebound which came out in 2014 which was a new zealand movie yeah, I thought it was, I don't know what I thought it was. I'm not you, even. I think you said British. I literally thought it was British. I know my accent locate. It was very much <laughs> a New Zealand accent. So but when the trailer happened, I don't think I was as uh, paying attention. I just wanted to make sure I hadn't seen the movie, one. Yeah. And two, it wasn't like too cheesy because I hadn't heard of it before. Agreed. And I was like, oh, okay, because I don't like watching full trailers a lot of the time because I don't want any spoilers. You never know what they're going to put into it. I'd yeah. like to be surprised. Um. So in my head, I'm like, oh, it's probably British. I don't know. <laughs> totally New Zealand. <laughs> New Zealand, y'all. And it's amazing it was on this list because it's very similar to a movie we watched earlier in the month, Disturbia, which is about someone under house arrest and weird stuff happens and there's at least one murder. Mm-hmm. And this was a woman who, you know, was arrested for breaking into an ATM. She she kept having run-ins with the law. So she gets house arrest and put back at her mom's house and she can't stand her mom. Yeah. And her mom's like a very kind of ditzy person, and she's a very tough. She reminds rough girl. me the mom reminds me a lot of uh, the mom in Shaun of the Dead. Oh yes, very much. Where like you're that. like, are you sure you don't know what's going on? Because you seem like you <laughs> don't the whole know. Time. Yeah. And there seems to be something going on in the house, like a possible ghost. Mm-hmm. And they find out that the house has a evil history and then there's weird stuff there there's even a scene uh i want people to see it so i don't want to spoil it too much but there's definitely moments in there that are going to remind you of the movie the boy in a good way in a good way this movie i didn't go in expecting a lot i expected it was gonna be terrible it was one of my favorite movies we've seen this month i love i loved it i laughed so much it is a black comedy (laughs) it's very it has the kind of comedy that you liked in Shaun of the dead where you're laughing at the situation the people in the movie aren't laughing but you are because it is funny yeah i thought this movie was great i recommend it to everyone i loved it and then after that which was on the 23rd was the black coat's daughter and I saw it again. We hadn't seen it. I don't even know how it's long. It's been years. Many, many years. And I actually ended up loving it more this time. Yeah, I liked it more this time, too. A lot more. Not drinking this time made it easier to understand. The ending has kind of a interpretive aspect to it. And when I was drunk, I missed it. But when I was sober, it was very obvious. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> great movie. It's about two girls who are at a all-girls private school and they have to stay there over a winter break for like a week or two where everyone else goes home and weird stuff starts to happen. One of the girls who is staying there is rather creepy and starts acting weirdly. They explain at the end what's going on with her. There's a scene in which the normal girl goes into the basement and sees the weird girl like bowing up and down frantically in front of a furnace. And it's one of the creepiest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It terrifies me. If I see that, I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back I was like, I'm here. just going to go into this. I'm going to risk the blizzard and go and walk away. And then once you're ways into the movie, it cuts to what seems like a separate story starring Emma Roberts. 
Yeah. And she's a, you know, a troubled girl who is... As the movie progresses, you get more of her story. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a cutscene to her, and mm-hmm. you're not 100% sure what time frame this is. Is it exactly. before what's happening? Is it after what's happening uh, to the other girl, to the main story? Yep. And then eventually it all it comes all together. It all ties together. Yeah. And good reveal at the end. Pretty terrifying film. I would say I liked the way this movie dealt with possession because it felt like it handled possession in a very different way. Yeah, where you're not just focused on getting rid of something it's more of the process and what it does to the person that is possessed in a very different way and loneliness which it deals with a lot of loneliness i did not i've never associated possession movies and loneliness as being similar but this movie really showed me wrong i thought it was so good it's so good i recommend if you haven't seen it please watch it it is a slow burn it is a very slow movie if you if you do not handle slow movies this movie is slow almost the entire movie and it's what it's one of those quiet movies if that's not for you avoid i'm gonna straight up say like if you didn't like house of the devil you might not like this one actually i would say this one is even slower than house of the devil Uh, because house of the devil really picks up the pace this one doesn't have a lot of action scenes. I guess, maybe. I think it's the same. Interesting fact about the Black Coat's daughter that I looked up. Oh. The writer and director of that film, Oz Perkins, is the son of Anthony Perkins, who played Norman Bates, the killer in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Whoa, that's so, awesome. Fun little snippet. All right, the next movie we did, getting into the fun territory, was Idle Hands. It's on every year we do this because <laughs> it's one of our favorite movies. Every time I see it, I love it. There's nothing wrong with this movie. I found that the interesting thing was everyone who was involved in the making of this movie had different ideas as to what was happening. I saw, I read an interview with mm-hmm. Seth Green where he said all the actors thought that they were doing something really high drama and the director thought he was doing like an artistic European style horror film, but the movie studios <laughs> wanted like a teen movie and there was, everyone was kind of doing their own thing and we ended up with what I think is one of the perfect, I think it just worked. Halloween comedies. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a million times. We don't need to go in depth. However, I have some fun mm. facts about Idle Hands that are new. So Jack Noseworthy, the guy who played Randy, the guy with the Ford. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Katie Wright, the girl who played Tanya, Jessica Alba's friend. Yeah, the, the one red. who was dressed like the devil or whatever. Yeah. yeah. They discovered that they were half siblings of each other when they met on set. <gasps> They didn't even know. They didn't what? know each other. Like they apparently that was that was one of the things I found on IMDb. Who was the uh, mom or dad? No that, idea. I mean, a mom doesn't forget she's pregnant, but like yeah, no, it's, it's interesting how they found that out. And also, apparently, the scene where Devin Sawa squirts dish soap in his mouth after he tries to smoke like the nutmeg or oh, whatever. Oh, is it real? It, he improvised it on the spot. It's real. It's not fake dish soap. He just shot it into his mouth. Oh, my God. That must have hurt. And I remember seeing that going, this is really gross because, ugh. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, yeah. Was, that was real. So, anyway, that was fun facts about idle hands. All right, now Lily's got to tell us about this next one. This oh, was her animal. Oh a- <laughs> population 436. So, population 436 is about, I think we talked about it maybe a little bit. It's about a small town, and it literally is always population Four, three, six, and a surveyor guy who works for the Census Bureau goes in and he's like, "I need to get a more accurate Read assessment, right? Because yeah. like it can't just be four thirty-six or whatever." And he starts finding clues as to why that is in fact true. I literally put this on here because I learned Fred Durst was in it. <laughs> the, and, if you don't know, if you're if you're of a younger generation, that's the lead singer of Limp Biscuit. A band that reached its apex popularity around between like 2000 and 2003 when we were all in high school that band was huge it is infamous now because 
even though they still exist. A lot of people who loved it then hate it now. A lot of people hate it then still hate it now. There are still some people but who loved know. it then love it now. I feel like it's somehow resurging. Resurging. Like a lot of people do like it. Uh-huh. And I I actually don't mind it right now. No. I think I didn't like it when I was a kid, but it wasn't my style and um hearing it now it's more nostalgia. Exactly. So I'm not like mad at it but it's not on a playlist either yeah, yeah i don't have it on any playlist but <laughs> so. when someone's playing a party i'm like oh yeah now it's time to talk about cookies in your butt yeah but exactly uh, but that's the only reason why i thought it was a fun early 2000s movie it's so ridiculous i don't even know i don't know what to think about this movie uh the one thing i will say is the acting is terrible oh, everyone obviously. is terrible at acting this the funny thing is, and I never thought this, is I was like, man, Fred Durst is in a movie. He's going to be so terrible in this movie. And the thing is, he's not the worst actor in this movie. In <laughs> he's fact, not. he's one of the better ones, which is, that's not saying he's a good actor. It's just that's how bad most of the acting is in this movie. There's some interesting ideas in this movie. I liked the idea. Mm-hmm. And I think it started pretty interesting, but I think it kind of fizzled towards the end. I think my favorite scene was probably when they have this festival and he learns that it's a woman, the woman who was like elected to be like the head festival chick or whatever her title was, was just so that she could hang herself and kill herself to keep the population down because the surveyor was now the member of the population. He wasn't allowed to leave. That scene was really well done. And you're always wondering, the cool thing about the movie is that you are wondering if people are just crazy or is it really a curse upon them? The problem is, you do learn that it's a real thing, but you don't learn a lot more to it. Like, who cursed mm-hmm. this town? Why are we here? What's mm-hmm. happening? And you're kind of left a little a little sad that you don't know more about it, but otherwise, it's just, but it's a fun teen movie, I think. I agree, because I think that the, why I'm sad is because that information is stuff we actually want to know. That's not the In kind that of stuff case, that, yeah, yeah, it's not the kind of stuff that leaving a mystery makes it scarier, because it doesn't. Because I think lore would have actually creepified it a little Agreed. more. I yeah. agree. I would say um, I'm totally not sad that I saw it, but I'm not going to see it again. And I think that this movie deserved another rewrite and a completely different cast. Yeah, probably. I think with a better cast. If someone redoes this movie, I think it could be pretty well done. I'm not going to lie when I say this as someone who's not a big fan of M. Night Shyamalan in general. I think this movie was right up his alley. I think this would have fit his style very strongly. I agree. And I think if he had done it and cast it the way he does, because he always casts his movies very well, this movie could have been a much bigger hit. Even though, like, a lot of people hate him, I think one of the things that I do appreciate his movies, especially because it's always obviously very horror leaning and everything, is the imagery is always on point with him. He's good. I feel like I'm just going to have candy for my eyes. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be blown away by this incredible concept or anything, but I do find his stuff appealing. And he, he he can paint a good picture sometimes. That can be really awesome. Even his bad movies have some really good shots. So yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So the next movie is talk to me. We didn't get around to that one because of timing. (laughs) So that will be on the next discussion along with midsummer. Yeah. I'm sad. And then we watched the classic 1978 Halloween. Halloween. Always good. Love it. Y'all know it. Or at least you've seen a variation of it probably at some point in your life. It's great. (laughs) It just reminds me, we've talked about it a million times, so we're not going to waste too much time on it. But the thing that hit me is someone posted some meme online that was circulating showing Jamie Lee Curtis with the pumpkin. And they're like, all these years later, and she still can't carve a pumpkin. (laughs) Because I think it's true. The pumpkin carving you see in the logo for Halloween, like at the beginning of the yeah. movie and stuff, they're really crappy looking jack Well, that man. that one was from the house where Michael Myers sure, was sure. from. Like that's that pumpkin. It was sitting in front of his house, I think. Yeah. 
but they look really bad. I mean, they even have I that mean, cut between the nose and the mouth, which you could have easily done independently. Lazy. But it's just like, yeah. It's just a really crappy. You know, it's like someone's assistant on yeah. set, and they're like, fine. You want me to carve this stupid pumpkin? I'll carve it. And then was bad at it. But it also kind of made me realize how Halloween used to be different. There were trick-or-treaters or, and, and all that stuff, but in the 70s, there were still a lot of kids that when they were young enough, they were like, no, you have to stay home. They watch a scary movie, and they're just staying at home all day, and that just <laughs> broke my heart. Oh, yeah, I guess oh, yeah. so. So if you want to hear that, you can go to our previous Halloween episodes where we've talked about that one more in depth. No reason to talk about a movie everyone's discussed a million times over. Pretty much. And then Us. That was supposed to be Saturday. Yep. And on the 28th. we... Lily has seen it. I haven't. We're going to have to watch it. That's for next discussion. Yeah, I actually love the hell out of this movie when I first saw it. And I'm pretty sure I'm still going to like it. I don't see a reason why I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I think Chase would probably like it too. And once again, because we were working on this episode, we had fallen behind. Evil Dead 2 also missed. (laughs) We're going to cover that in the next episode as well. So can't wait for Evil Dead 2 to be seen. Lily's going to love it. And then... We can talk about Hocus Pocus, and because we haven't watched Trick or Treat, because that's tonight's movie. That's tonight, and we so, absolutely will be seeing that. So Hocus Pocus, which we always have. Well, no, we don't have it every year. We didn't last year, and your sister got really mad. No, I think I had it last year. It was the year before. I don't oh. know. She got mad at me a couple years ago. She's like, where's my Hocus Pocus at? And, and the thing is, we <laughs> always watch it every year. We just didn't have it on the list. I mean, obviously, she's not mad, but she's like, how dare you? And I was like, how dare I? This should be on the list every year. And we didn't put the sequel, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of people went straight in and saw it. It is, it and tonight's movie, Trick or Treat, I think are the best examples of how to make Halloween appear in a movie. Mm. It's the Halloween our generation always dreamed of, the with the decorations everywhere, a town embracing it, like, it's as big every, as Christmas. Every child wants, exactly. Yeah. And these movies do it, and they just get us in the mood, so... Hopefully, uh, you guys saw it getting ready for today and watch Trick or Treat tonight to really just hammer it home. Interesting, fun little snippet I found on IMDb <laughs> about Hocus Pocus. Apparently, in 2004, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, she plays the, I, I think she's supposed to be the hot witch. I can't remember her name, uh, which which witch she was. Uh, she was a younger. But sure. She's a young one, but yeah. I can't remember her name because it's like Winifred, and I just don't remember her name. But anyway. In 2004, Sarah Jessica Parker found out that her 10th great-grandmother... Sarah. Sorry, I just remembered. It is Sarah? So it's she Sarah. was Sarah as I Sarah? think she's Sarah Sarah. Okay. Yeah. So in 2004, she found out that her 10th great-grandmother, Esther Elwell, was arrested in Salem, Massachusetts for <gasps> killing a neighbor <gasps> via choking... And quote, sundry acts of witchcraft, end quote. Although it never went to court, the accusation allegedly ended the Salem witch trials. You're you're serious. That's what I found online. I I can't back this up. I wasn't going to deep dive into a little fact. This isn't a story. (laughs) But apparently when she found this out, it was on a show in 2004 where it's like, do you know yourself or some show like that where they go Mm. into your history and find out yourself. So it was on TV. This, this, this thing that... That she found out. Oh, this history. is it the ancestry guy who goes and he like tells uh, celebrities their their past? I, I don't know. They listed the name of the show, but I think it's probably in that something same like thing. that. Yeah, but yeah. So this was on TV, but yeah. So she found out that her ancestor was had a connection to the Salem witch trials, which I think mm, is absolutely hilarious. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I mean, this is an actual Disney horror film, unlike Disturbia, <laughs> which 
our friend told us felt like a Disney horror film. <laughs> this, this one, one is, is a Disney. real Disney horror oh, film. Oh, no. Great for kids. Great for adults who loved Halloween as kids. If you're looking for an actual scary movie, and but you don't care about Halloween, you're going to hate this movie. But, I mean, <laughs> anyway. Tonight is Trick or Treat. Should watch it. And next episode, we are going to discuss Midsummer. We're going to discuss Talk to Me, Us, Evil Dead 2, and we might mention Trick or Treat, even though we talked about it every single Yeah, day. yeah. So that'll be on next episode. So thank you guys for joining us for our movie thing. I apologize if we missed one of the movies that you wanted us to talk about, but we will talk about it next episode. So you didn't miss it for good. It's just you're going to have to wait until the next episode. Sorry about that. Pretty much. But I think that brings our episode to a close, right? And that it does, my friend. Now with a shot and many, many gulps of a very strong drink, I will uh, tell you guys that that I'm really happy you're here today to celebrate Halloween with me because I woke up, I, you know, quickly tried to finish my notes up and then started doing this, and I'm so happy. This is the best way to, honestly, the best way to celebrate Halloween is with you. If this is the first episode with us, welcome, and I hope you were thoroughly creeped out. If this isn't your first episode... I'm glad I haven't scared you away. <laughs> Remember, you can always email us at hodwpodcast at gmail.com with your story suggestions or if you want to share your own spooky story for the next listener's episode, which is coming up at some point. And as we always say, if you find yourself having a work week hangover or I lost a drinking game kind of hangover, <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. Thank you.